Well, today we are wrapping up our series on our blueprint for life. And uh, so we are again going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And um, uh, let's go ahead and turn to that. And probably one of the most famous parts of this message that Jesus himself gave uh, as he spoke to the crowd there on the hillside in Galilee. And um, he closed with this parable, just this little short story. And um, it's really going to cap off all that he has been saying, as well as summarizing and bringing everything together. So let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. And Jesus says this, therefore, because of everything I've said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Now, everyone who hears these sayings of mine, but does not do them, he will be like a fool who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended All of these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So he closes out all of this teaching on on uh, what it looks like to build our life, to live a life in such a way to find the favor of God, to live a life in such a way uh, to to bring uh, joy and and prosperity and success and and life to you and your family and to those around you and he closes with these words after all that i've said he says this now do it that's it do it you know it's one thing to hear everything that i say but it's another thing to go out and do it and and this is what he says he says just Take what I've told you and put it into practice. Here is the warning. Don't hear all of these things and say, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then just go back to the way it was. And he says this, that if you're going to be wise, if you're going to receive what I have to promise, you've got to put these things into practice. Otherwise, you're a fool. You are a fool who hears my words, but then negotiates it out and justifies it. And you're like, well, I'm good here. And yeah, I'm doing that. And and you know what? All you're doing is basically putting on a sham. And within you, you are building your life on the sand. Now, you'll notice that in this story, The storm came to both people. What Jesus is saying in your life, you're going to have storms. 
I don't care if you're a Christian. I don't care if you're an atheist. Um, you are going to have terrible tragedies in your life. Living in this world, God does not promise that just because you believe in him, you're going to get everything the way you want it if you just believe enough. That is such a, a, a deception of a teaching. There is no life in which we have no pain until we come to the life that God is preparing for us. And then that will happen. But in this world, it is broken. There's going to be storms. There's going to be rain. There's going to be floods. There's going to be winds that beat upon your life. So the question is not whether we experience the tragedies of life. The question is, what is our life built upon when those tragedies come? James, James chapter 1 puts it this way, the same message that Jesus speaks of. James chapter 1 verse 22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not, and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at himself in the mirror. He observes himself and then goes away forgetting what kind of man he was. In other words, he looked in the mirror to fix things, but then he walked away and forgot that, you know what, he had this spot that he didn't wipe off and he didn't comb his hair. And he just forgets all the problems that he saw because he didn't do anything about it. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and then continues in it, he is not a forgetful here, but he is a doer of the work. And this man will be blessed in all that he does. You see, here's the promise. God says, if you will hear my words, and look intently into them and then continue in them. Make a decision. When you look in that mirror, you say, oh, man, let me get close. Let me take care of that. Let me fix that. You will go out from there and you will be blessed in all that you do. People won't be looking at you. Oh, my gosh. Does that guy not realize that, uh, you know what, he's got this hair sticking out here? And, you know, we will be blessed if we will do it. So it is not a matter of hearing, it's about doing. We've got to do it. And it, this is probably the, the main problem in our churches today. We have tons of people that come to church or listen to church or, or watch videos and, and, and believe or read the Bible. And they profess to be Christians. This is what Jesus was dealing with even at that time. The Pharisees and the, the priests and the scribes, they were all teaching. But though they proclaimed and confessed and believed in their head, they would not embrace the surrender to the word. And he says, you've got to do it. It is no good to say you believe, but your life does not Prove it. We've been singing in uh, in our kids' church the last couple of weeks. If you've been watching, if you're saved and you know it, well, what's the next part? Your life will surely show it. Right? 
I know you guys jumped to the end, right? If you're saved and you know it, your life will surely show it. It's not about what you say. It's about what you live out. And I'm going to tell you, we, we read this last week that Jesus said, there's going to be a lot of people who stand before me on the end time and say, I was a Christian and I followed you, Jesus, and I even did things for you. He says, yeah, but your life was not with me. Depart from me. I never knew you. Guys, we have got to stop and look at our life. Are we doing what he says? So let's look. He says, the wise man hears these sayings of mine and does them. So let's recap. What were these sayings that he just said? So we're going to look at the, the 10 things real quick. This is what he said that we need to do. Don't just hear these things. But we need to do them. The first thing we go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, there's 10 points that Jesus gave us that we've been looking at over the last couple of months. The first thing we need to do is we need to humble ourselves. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who love mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that hunger after righteousness. Blessed are those who do this. We need to humble ourselves. But we need to not just think we're humble. We need to be humble. We need to be humble before ourselves. We need to be humble before others. We need to be humble before God. We need to put that into practice. We need to begin to say, I will start to come against the different areas where my pride steps up. And I, got, I have to take steps to humble myself. Once we have humbled ourselves, Jesus said, then you need to live a life that is passionate for God. It says that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That means you give flavor to those. But are you passionate to God? Are you bringing the flavor of God to others in your life? You see, it's, I'm glad that you say you're a Christian. But Jesus says, are you living in passion for God? You know what? We are passionate for a lot of things. And God says, that's great. But unless you are passionate for me, those passions are like a little flickering candle that are going to go out and they are going to be gone. But are you living your life passionate for God? Are you being a light to others? And I know so many times um, uh, people say, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to be good and let my my life show God. If you are passionate about something. Uh, it's going to show up on what you talk about and what you say. It is not just going to be uh, being a good person. Okay. Uh, a lot of people are good people. And yet that is not um, a reflection of God. It is a passion for God. It is, it is letting that um, love for God be expressed. People need to know why you are uh, living the way you live. And if you're passionate about it, it's going to come out. Um, you are going to share that. The third thing, Jesus said, we need to seek sincere righteousness. It says, unless our righteousness is better than the scribes who put on a good show, then we'll never see the kingdom of God. In other words, I'm looking for a people who in their heart want to be like God. They want to follow Christ. They want to, to 
walk with Christ. And that means we need a righteousness that goes into our heart. That means we don't uh, secretly love the things of sin. That means we desire to live a life that is right, not because we're following the rules, but because we want to be like our father. You see, there's a lot of people that follow the rules, and this is what Jesus said, but in their heart, they're disgusting. So it's not just about what you do on the outside. It's about a heart of righteousness. Do you truly want to, to do good? Do you truly want uh, to be like Jesus? He's looking for people that are willing to live life. That means you're willing to say no to things that other people are doing. You're willing not to compromise when it's easy to do that. And when it's easy to get away with things and no one will ever know, Jesus says, I'm looking for the people who do what's right even when no one is there. It's called character. People who have character are going to succeed. The next thing that Jesus said, number four, he says, you need to live a life where you love the unlovable. I don't want you just to love those that, that love you, but we have got to be people and not just say we love people. This is what James also said. He said, there's a lot of people who say they love people. And they say, oh, I'm going to pray for you, brother. I'm loving you, but they don't do anything about it. Jesus said, do something about it. If you love your enemy, you need to bless them. You need to put it into action. And I know that's hard. But Jesus says you need to do it. You need to love the unlovable. Love your enemies. He said, love the one who slaps you. Turn the other cheek. And again, he is not saying about putting yourself in danger because the slapping of the cheek, cheek he is talking about not someone who attacks you. If, you. if you are attacked and you are put in danger, God expects you to defend yourself. Okay, this is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus expects you to defend yourself. He doesn't expect a woman to say an abusive home. He doesn't expect uh, someone uh, to let people uh, uh, physically put them in danger. But what he's saying is when someone disrespects you because a slap on the cheek is a disrespecting. says those people you are to love because your respect does not come from them anyway. Your respect comes from God. And because I am my identity comes from God, I can love those uh, uh who are my enemies, those who treat me in, in, in a way that uh, would, would put me down. But it doesn't put me down because my God is who gives me a source of identity. So therefore, I can love them. So he's saying, therefore, love them. Because as they respond to you, many times there is hurt behind that. They need someone to love them. Uh, not only those who treat you bad are we to love, but maybe those that other people don't love. We need to love those that have been thrown away, those that are experiencing oppression, those that are experiencing injustice. We need to be the people that step up and bring justice to those uh, that um, are being overlooked. That's the love that we need to put in place. Don't just say you're a Christian and yet you don't stand up for, for justice. That is not right. It says people see that and they say, are you a Christian or not? That's why people hate Christians in our country because they see them as just right-wing conservatives who only want everything for themselves. 
And that is not who we are meant to be. We are meant to be people who love the unlovable, who give of ourselves. We are not here to grieve for ourselves. I will be poor if it helps someone else. You see, he says, put this into practice. Don't just say these things, but do it. Love the unlovable. The next thing, number five, he says, be motivated by God's approval. Be a person who you don't care what other people think. You're not doing everything to get other people's praise, but live your life to get God's praise. Everything you do, ask yourself, is God clapping over me? Is he applauding? That's the way to go, my son. That's what you should do then. Do what will bring the applause of heaven for you. When you live your life, live it to make your father proud. And if that's your motivation in life, everything I do is just for you, God, to look down and say, well done. And that doesn't mean I don't fail. Because when I fail, that's different from from, uh, disappointing God. Failing means, God, I'm sorry, I tried and I He comes and picks us up and he says, that's all right. We're going to learn from this and and we're going to go. It's only the person who doesn't care about what God thinks that misses out on his love. So he says, be motivated by God's approval. Want his reward. And if you will live for him, if he is your audience of one, your life will succeed. It cannot fail if you are living to please God. Number six, he said, build a mentorship of prayer. Desire to be changed by God through prayer. Live a life of prayer in that everything that you communicate with God, you are submitting yourself up for God to mold you. When you live a life of prayer, not to change God's mind, Not to get God to do something for you, but your life of prayer is all about God. I'm praying. I'm communicating with you. I want to hear you because I want you to change me. Prayer is about changing us. It's not about changing God. You see, that's why we say, God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. God, forgive me. God, give me my daily bread. Let A life of prayer grow, and as it grows, it grows a relationship of mentorship. We say, God, you are my mentor. You're my coach, so I'm going to listen to you. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer is all about being mentored by God. It's all about coming to God and spending time and hearing him and walking with him, and that's why prayer is not just a time by yourself sitting at your bed. Prayer is while you're going through your day at work. Because it's at your work saying, God, God, what should I do here? God, how should I handle this? You see, prayer is bringing God into every aspect of your life and letting him become a mold that presses upon you. Are we doing it? We say that, but are we doing it? Number seven, Jesus said, avoid getting caught up in the things of the earth. Understand that laying up for yourself treasures on earth will not help you. The things of this earth are passing away. You can get all the money in the world. You can get all the fame in the world. You can have all the friends in the world, but your friends are going to die. They're going to choose someone else at some point in time. Everyone's going to move away. You're not going to have anything. And then it was only for that time. And God does not want you to have joy just for small points of time. 
So what he says is seek first the kingdom of God, and then I'll give you all those things. See, he knows that you need food and clothes and, and money and friends and family, but they don't come from your efforts. They come from you seeking God first. So he says, don't get caught up in the world. Don't get caught up in, in, in your accomplishments or what you want to do in life and your dreams for God. You seek God and God will give you the dreams of your heart. God will give you a future. God will give you friends. God will give you those. But if God doesn't give them to you, but if you went out and got them yourself, they'll never last. How you get these things make a difference. And if you will seek God first, he'll give you things that will never be taken away. But we've got to seek him. So in our life, are we seeking the kingdom of God with everything we do? God, I want your kingdom. And remember, we talked about when you seek his kingdom, it's two things we're seeking. I want God to be in control because a kingdom is where the king is in control, where he has authority. So God, in my life, I give you authority over everything. Let everything I do show the authority of God. And the second thing is let everything I do honor your name because in the kingdom is where the king gets the honor. It's where everyone praises the king. So in my life, I, I'm going to live in such a way that God gets the honor. And when you do that, you will avoid getting caught up in the things of this world. Number eight, he said, be a judge of yourself so that you can be an encourager of others. See, he does not say, and I know many people take that wrong. We talked about this. Don't judge. But he says, judge in a right way. I want you to judge. And here's the right way. You judge yourself so that you can be an encourager of others, not a critic. So instead of being a critic and a cynic and always seeing everything bad in them, see the bad in yourself. Judge yourself. Hold yourself accountable so that then you can turn around and be a comfort to others. Yeah, you might see things in their life, but you're not criticizing. You're not condemning. You're there to bring healing. You're bring, there to bring encouragement. That's the type of judge he wants us all to be. A judge who is able to see what's wrong and to step in in a healing way and bring comfort and encouragement to others. And then finally, number nine, last week, we talked about this. You've got to live your life by making a choice. You need to choose your path. What's going to be the purpose of your life? And you need to choose it. And you need to be conscious of that choice. He said, you need to know the path that you're on. And you need to not deceive yourself. You need to be very aware of the path because he said a lot of people are going to be deceived. They think they're on the narrow path, but they're just playing the game. He said, don't play the game of Christianity, of religion, but understand that the path that you're on is going to be hard, but you're choosing the life of discipline. I know it's a hard path, but it's a hard path that brings us the championship. It's a hard path that brings us the treasure. We've got to live a disciplined life. Are we willing to do that? Now, you might say that brings us to 10. What's the 10th thing? The 10th thing that we need to do in our life is what Jesus said. He says, therefore, those who hear my words and do them. Now, it does have to do with all that we just talked about in this sermon. 
But Jesus also refers to his words as something that goes beyond the Sermon on the Mount. And his words are all through the word of God. Jesus says, those that hear my word and does them, not just this, this one sermon, but all the spirit-breathed word. Even the Old Testament is the words of Jesus. See, we need to understand that the Bible, it's not just the red letters that are what Jesus said. Everything that is written in the Bible is what Jesus said. You know why we know that? Because it said that every word in the Bible is spirit-breathed from the Holy Spirit. When Holy Spirit came upon godly men and inspired them to write exactly what God wanted them to write. And the words of the Holy Spirit are the words of Jesus because Jesus said, the Holy Spirit says nothing but what he hears from the Father. And I say nothing from what I hear from the Father. And the Holy Spirit will remind you what I say. So everything that the Holy Spirit has breathed into the Bible are the very words of Jesus. And so the 10th thing that we need to do if we're going to be wise and build our life on the rock is we need to build our life in the word of God. We need to be in the word of God. We need to know the word of God. And the word of God needs to be the decision on whether you did right or wrong. You see, the word of God is not a give or take. It's not what you want to decide what was right. There's some things that the word of God says that we may not agree with. And it's going to offend us. But let me ask you this question. And I heard this in a message from Tim Keller. Uh, in fact, just last night as I was doing my devotions and, and uh, praying over this. And I love this, what he says. Some people say, I'm not going to live by the word of God because there's parts of the word of God that offends me. And so therefore, it, I don't believe that it is the full authority in my life. Well, here's the thing. If, if you thought that the whole Bible was the very word of God and you expect everything in the Bible to agree with you, who do you think you are? So you think that everything that you think God should agree with you. So you think you are at the same level as God? So how can the word of God not offend you in some places? If there is a God who is above all of us, are we so arrogant to think that my way, that I know the right way for everything? So we need to stop ourselves and say, hey, wait a second. If he says something in here that I don't agree with, I'm the one that needs to stop and say, I need to match my life to the word of God. I don't match the word of God to what I want. I don't read the things that I like and not read the things I don't. We need to begin to say, God, this is your word, like it or not, I am going to mold myself to your word. And the parts that I struggle with, then I'm just gonna have to struggle with them. And I need to work it out. But for you to ignore it, and this is the danger part, because this is where people are going to stand before Christ and answer for this. When we just fudge and we don't quite do it, there is not going to be, oh, well, that's okay. No, that is the person who is built on the sand, that it's not just about what God says, but when you live your life not following the word of God, you are opening yourself up to tragedies in your life that don't have to be. There are going to be things that you regret because you wanted happiness and you wanted fun and you wanted laughter with all your, your friends right now. And the word of God says, 
I understand that and I want to give it, but you got to do it this way. If you don't do it the way of the word, you're going to experience scars and hurting in a way that the word of God would like to prepare you for. It doesn't mean, like we said, that bad things won't come, but when we live our life on the word of God, we will be able to make it through those hard times. We will be able to stand strong through the storms. So these are the 10 things that Jesus says we need to just do them. And we need to stop being Christians who say we believe in God and claim to be Christians, but yet our life is in and out and does not built on the rock. I want to close by reading Romans. Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 13. Now, this is where Paul's writing to the Jewish people. So when he talks about being a Jew, you just put in there Christian because we're the same way. We have become the same place as the Jews. The Jews were the people who believed in God, who were following God, and yet they were not realizing that they were playing a game. They're outward. You know, they did everything right. They were good people on the outside, but they were not submitted to God. They were not fully living the life that God has called them to live. And this is what Paul says. He says in verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not even have the law, but by nature they do the things that are contained in the law, these, even though they don't have the law, they are a law to themselves. For they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their consciences bear witness between themselves and their thoughts will accuse and excuse them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Indeed, you are called a Jew and you rest in the law and you make your boast in God and that because you know his will and you approve the things that are excellent being instructed by the law. And you're confident in yourself that you're a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness, that you're an instructor to the foolish, that you have a form of knowledge and truth in the word. But you, therefore, who teach others, you need to teach yourself. For you preach that a man should not steal or kill or commit adultery. And yet, do you do these things? You tell people not to serve idols. And yet, do you rob temples? You make your boast in the law, yet you dishonor God by breaking the law. And for the, because of this, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The very thing Jesus was saying, you call yourself mine. I would rather you not call yourself a Christian because you know what? You don't, you're not living the life. You're not disciplined. You're not committed to it. You dishonor God. Not that you break the, the letter of the law. No, not, none of you go out and lie and steal and kill, hopefully. But you're doing it in your heart. You're doing it 
by your priorities in your life and everyone around you, they see what's important to you. And yet you say that God's the thing, but yet they look at your life and they're saying, well, I do that much. I don't need God. And because of that, it says that God is blasphemed in the world because of you. We all know that the biggest excuse people say, I don't go to church is because of hypocrites. Now, it's a stupid excuse, and we can go there later. But still, that is a reason that some people are rejecting God. How sad is it if we are a reason that someone rejects God because we have a, the picture of godliness, but not the life? So Jesus is saying, here's the thing. Be wise. Don't just call yourself Christian. Guys, it's time to step up and do it. It's time to be what we say we are. If we desire all the life and the joy that Jesus has to give, then we need to make a choice. And we need to say, God, I'm going to live that life. Jesus says, just do it. Because if you don't, and you just put on a sham, someday, sooner or later, a storm is going to come. And you're going to cry out to God. And God's going to say, yeah, right. You're on your own. You didn't have time for me. You put on a good picture and a great fall is going to happen. And Jesus says, and great was the fall of that house. Let's not let that be said of us, but let's stand firm in the middle of storms. I don't care what comes our way. And as Christians, we may have more storms than others, but I don't care because we can be built on the rock. We can live a life that knows the joy of the Lord, that's not based uh, on, on just getting what I want and yet knowing that God will eventually give me what I want. How can you lose? This is the greatest thing. Jesus says, if you will lose your life, you'll gain it. Because if you will live for God, there is nothing that you will not receive that God knows will fill your heart. Just do it. But are we doing it? We need to stop and ask ourselves, let's not be deceived. It says those who look in the mirror and walk away, they're like people who are deceived. And I think Jesus weeps over us when we do that. Let's do it. Let's follow the words of God and put it into practice, no matter how hard it is. You see, sometimes it's hard to do these things. Building on the rock is hard. You got to dig down. You've got to do, it's much easier to build on the sand. Let's just go through the, the practice. No, she says, do the hard work and it will be worth it. Let's bow our heads.